It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But with all the current uncertainty, how do we know when and where to put our hard-earned money to work for us? It's easy to become distracted by that shiny object or the quote-unquote next best thing. So how do we determine which strategies will best align with our financial goals? Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies to build our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Danny Nichols. And I'm Chris Thompson. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. Listen, if you're interested in passive real estate investing, but aren't sure how or where to get started, our passive investing guide walks you through the entire process from understanding the benefits to performing the due diligence. Download your copy today at twosmartassets.com and start taking action. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, and today our guest is Chris Grenzig. Chris started real estate in January 2016 by trying and failing at house flipping and purchasing tax deeds, but eventually found his footing in multifamily real estate. From 2016 to 2020, he joint ventured on 100 units and worked as the director of the Florida portfolio for Toro Real Estate Partners, which acquired 4,000 units worth more than $300 million during his time there. In November 2020, Chris left Toro to start his own company, Jag Communities, based in Jacksonville, Florida, which is an owner-operator focused on multifamily real estate with a 10-year vision to scale to $500 million in assets under management. Chris, great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Excited to speak to you today. You know, we briefly touched on your background there in the intro, but to kick this thing off and make sure our listeners know more about you, uh, please share with us a little bit more about your background, your story, and how you got into real estate. Yeah, so trying not to go too long. Um, graduated college, no real direction. Uh, I played Division One soccer, so I was fortunate enough to get a job coaching Division Two soccer. Uh, was born in Long Island, New York. Went to school there for college. Did one year up in Massachusetts and missed it, so I came home. Got another coaching job, but didn't want to do like youth coaching on the side, which is what most college coaches have to do to make ends meet because college coaching pays you like five grand a year. So at least in at that scale. So didn't really want to do that. So got my first real job alongside that, which was being a cold caller for a stock brokerage firm, you know, making uh, four or five, 600 calls a day, trying to get people on the horn and then passing it off to licensed guys. Uh, eventually got licensed, but then really started to hate the business. It was very much how much commission am I going to make? And don't really care if my client makes a nickel. Um, or loses money. So that just seemed ass backwards to me and just felt wrong. Um, so wanted to get out and was super fortunate that my mom and cousin bought a flipping course, like you mentioned. And we started trying to do that on nights and weekends and just tanked, didn't do a single deal, spent a lot of time, energy and money and didn't really have much to show for it, but uh, decided we were going to pivot and do some other stuff. So we looked at flipping out of state. Uh, we looked at tax deeds and kind of as we were doing that, we got introduced to taxis by this guy named uh, John Cohen, who we got introduced to. And he had uh, transitioned from the tax deed stuff down in Philadelphia to multifamily real estate, had started off doing small to mid-sized deals, 10, 20, 50 unit deals, and then had recently started Toro with his partner, Don, focused on much larger assets, so called 100 to 500 units, five to $50 million per deal. Um, so much bigger stuff. Met John did a couple deals on the side. Um, in total, we did about a hundred units, uh, as like a code GP JV type thing. And after a couple months of knowing him, I was still working that job and flat out hated it, was ready to leave. 
and me and him were just chatting one day because he was like helping us out and coaching us up and we were helping take some stuff off his plate and just small world. He had happened to work for the same people I was working for just like five, six years prior and at a different company. And we're talking about it and he kind of got it and just came up like, Hey, why don't we try me going to work for Toro? Because they were thinking about bringing somebody on and see how it goes. You know, it was a little early for them. I was a little new, a little green. So it was going to be like, let's see how it goes type of thing. So I think we said something like, I don't know, let's try for three months and jump ship went there for three months, three months without knowing anything turned into four and a half years being there. Uh, it also led to a role where I was basically running everything in Florida. Um, and like you said, when I was there, Toro acquired about 4,000 units worth roughly around 300 million on purchase. And we did about a thousand units in Florida worth around 60, 70 million on purchase. Um, and we had gone, so seven deals, we went full cycle on two when I left. Um, they're in the process of selling a third right now. Um, but while I was there in the start of 2020, prior to COVID, uh, I would get some money when deals would sell and close as you know, commission. Sure. And we were doing a ton of business at the same time. So I was going to be coming into a good chunk of change. And I started thinking, huh, maybe I should buy my first deal on my own. No investors, nobody else, whatever. And as I was kind of talking about this and thinking it over, COVID hit. I thought it was going to be the next 2008, great buying opportunity. Uh, talked to some family members and convinced them to commit in, on paper to putting some money aside. We were going to buy a small multifamily deal in cash, uh, stay in cash, try to buy for something for 40 to 60 cents on the dollar. As we come out of COVID, refinance, get all of our money and then some and hold it. Um, like all good plans, it didn't come to fruition. However, continued to look and found this 16 unit property uh, in an area of Jacksonville called Orange Park, which is a great area. Um, it was really great because uh, for Toro, I had found a deal literally around the corner that we closed on in 2020, I think, maybe 2019, 2019, I think. Um, and it was like very similar property, same vintage, same exact floor plans, uh, a lot of similarities. And when I got the deal, because I'd done all this research and been asset managing it for a little while, I, it was like a no brainer. I was like, this thing's going to work. No question. So put it under contract. And while, when I put it under contract and going through due diligence and all that stuff, uh, just had dozens of people kind of reach out and be like, Hey, what are you doing? Are you leaving? What's going on? And I was like, no, I'm not leaving. Like just buying a deal, like no big deal. Uh, but kind of so many people asked, I was like, um, maybe I should really think about this. Um, and kind of, as I started thinking about it more and more, couldn't really come up with a good reason not to do it. Um, you know, my only good reasons were, you know, family and friends up in New York, um, because if I was going to do it, my intention was to move down to Jacksonville and build a vertically integrated company. Cause that's what I thought is the, the best move if I was going to go off on my own. Um, so it'd be, you know, moving away from friends and family up there. Um, luckily I have my mom and my sister who both live in Florida. So some families down there, so it wasn't a huge killer. Um, but really the, the biggest factor for or against was, you know, comfort and fear. And I was like, I don't want to be 80 and look back and be like, I should have done it, but I wasn't brave enough to do it. So that was kind of like the push over the edge that kind of led to me doing it. So we closed on that deal on November 20th. I didn't move down until like the 27th. So there's like a week period where there was nobody, no boots on the ground. I was like sweating bullets the whole time thinking the thing is going to blow apart. Uh, moved down, you know, packed my car up, drove from uh, 
New York to Florida, stayed one week in Daytona until my apartment was ready. Um, opened up Jag and started self-managing my first multifamily deal. Um, and then we bought a second deal in February, which is 24 units. And then right now we're under contract on two properties. One's a 20 unit existing deal uh, and one's a 20 unit development deal, which we might try to get rezoned for more units. So, um, yeah, that's been pretty much it in the past year. We're coming up right on the, the one year date. Don't know when this will get released, but, um, in about eight days will be exactly one year since I moved down. It's awesome, man. You know, just in that short period of time, you've done quite a bit. You know, you're talking about all these deals, you're doing some development. I think that's a, it's pretty exciting stuff, man. And congratulations on that. You've uh, made some serious moves. I do want to back up for a second and talk about kind of your your beginning experience there for a second. So, you know, you said you tried the house flipping, uh, you did a little bit of tax deed stuff, and then you got this opportunity, um, you know, pick up a couple of units. I think you said it was 100 units. And I think we spoke about that in your bio as well. Mm-hmm. And then you found this position that you could potentially, uh, you know, go work at Toro uh, as a portfolio portfolio manager, right? And so I'm kind of curious, you know, even if, you know, the flipping didn't work out, the tax deeds didn't work out uh, with that. And plus the experience with the hundred units, do you think any of that helped you in your role with Toro when you got over there, even though you were very green at that time? Yeah. I mean, I think any knowledge helps, right? The more experience you get, the more you learn. The nice thing was working with John on those couple of deals before I transitioned over kind of gave us both a little bit of a, even earlier, you know, a test of a test basically of like how this was going to work. Um, I mean, I was very new coming into it. Like I remember after a couple of years, looking back on some of my like original underwriting and deal analysis. And I was like, this is absolute crap. Like you had no clue what you were doing. Um, so, I mean, I think they knew coming into it was going to be a little bit of a project, but I mean, I took a massive pay cut to come do it. So it wasn't like it cost them a whole lot. Um, so I think it was kind of a, you know, a pretty, uh, quid pro quo type thing of, you know, it, it worked for both, right. They got a little bit of grunt labor up front. I got a little bit of education. And then slowly, as I got to a position where I could really have some ownership and some trust from them, you know, it, it led into more responsibility as well as, you know, more compensation as well. So it definitely helped, but I, I wouldn't say I came into it with those couple deals for a couple months and was like, Oh, this is amazing. Right. Cause even though, um, you know, we did some deals, it was only like from when I first met John to when I got to Toro's maybe only like two, maybe three months. So it wasn't like okay. we had done a few deals on the side for like a year, year and a half sure. and learned a lot through that. It was still pretty early on. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And so I do want to dive into a little bit of your role at Toro, right? Cause I'm not sure maybe our listeners aren't really sure what a portfolio manager does or what your role was. And I know you said over time, you kind of grew into that role and, you know, accepted more responsibility as you know, you gain trust from your partners and stuff like that. So can you talk a little bit about more about what your role there was like day to day, what your responsibilities were and kind of what that looked like from a, from a bird's eye view? Yeah. So, you know, when I first came in, it was, like I said, it was a lot of grunt work and didn't really just have a position. It was just like, do whatever. Uh, then eventually it kind of morphed into like an asset management role. So looking over financials, uh, helping out with investor relations, um, staying on top of with weekly calls and different things of that nature. Um, but the way it kind of evolved into me kind of running the Florida stuff, almost a business within a business was, uh, one of the deals we did on the side, not involved at Toro was a 82 unit deal in Jacksonville, Florida. And because we bought that on the side and I was in that co-GP, not in Toro, my role for that was also the asset management. Mm. 
you know, I went to them and I said, Hey, this deal's going really well. Like we should, you know, and like our property manager at the time, we had a really good relationship with them. I was like, Hey, we should really look for more opportunities here. Like, what do you guys think? And they were like, sure. So then I started just taking some time looking for some deals and then, you know, Toro bought their first deal there. And then that was added to the asset management and then just continued to, you know, take on, you know, basically go to them and be like, Hey, I want to take more on, I want to do more and all this stuff and, you know, bring opportunities to the table. Um, you know, I wasn't just comfortable kind of accepting the role and sitting back and being passive. Like for me, it was like, Hey, let's, you know, let's continue to try to do different things and try different things and come up with ideas to, you know, help them grow and also help me grow as well. Um, so because I was already there working on that kind of outside of Toro, even though it was with, it was like, sometimes it got a little weird because even though I was a partner and John was a partner, it wasn't a, a Toro deal and Don knew about it and it wasn't a problem, but sometimes it felt a little like gray in a way. Um, but because I was already doing that, it was like an easy transition into it. So kind of as that morphed more and more, um, you know, they just kind of gave me more ownership over it. And I just started running with it. And then kind of the asset management for deals in other areas kind of fell away, especially as time went on, we started selling some other deals. So some of Toro's earlier deals were in different areas, like in the Carolinas and then Alabama and Mississippi. And then kind of the last two years that I was there was really when I took ownership of that Florida stuff. Um, we stopped looking in other areas besides Florida and then a few cities in the Midwest. And then that's kind of when the role really developed into like, Hey, you've got Florida, you know, run with it type of thing. So, um, you know, that's kind of how it all went through it. And then, you know, while I was in that kind of Florida role, it was, you know, 70, 75% of my time was looking at new deals and doing asset management. And then, you know, would help with various different things, whether it's, you know, insurance, investor relations, raising money, working with, you know, debt and lenders, um, some small legal stuff. So, um, you know, the transition from my role at Toro to actually starting my own thing was kind of relatively easy because my role was pretty flexible and entrepreneurial already. And I was probably doing 80 plus percent of what was necessary to, you know, run the business already. So, um, it, I was pretty lucky and fortunate in that regard that, you know, I did get that experience and I'm going to be super thankful for the rest of my life to, John and Don for that opportunity because it definitely made it a lot easier. Yeah, it sounds like that was a great experience, you know, learning experience, just getting everything and being able to learn how to asset, be an asset manager and do all those things with that portfolio. And you really kind of took that and even some of the deals you're doing on the side and kind of push that into your new role. Cause you know, for a lot of people starting a new business, that's a big leap, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it takes a, takes a, a lot of, a lot of confidence just to get over that hump. And then you're still terrified, right. Of being in that, that role by yourself. But it seems like, you know, you were able to make that transition relatively easy because you had the confidence, you had the experience and you, you knew what you were doing with that in mind, you know, when you first, as you did transition into your role with Jag, you know, started your own thing. Um, did you have any kind of hesitation there once you got into the role? Like, okay, I need to reevaluate how this looks or did you run into any speed bumps along the way there? Oh, I mean, that, so that first deal, you know, we've made countless, mistakes and errors. Um, fortunately, none that are going to be huge hits to returns or whatever. Um, but the biggest one was like, it took me, despite having a vacant unit when we took over, it took me probably two months before I spent any money to renovate it because I was like, so scared of like actually handling the process myself. Like 
I, from a, from a numbers perspective, it was easy, right? Like I knew what stuff cost. I knew the work that could be done. Uh, I knew what the rents, like all that was easy, but like the actual of like, Hey, taking that and then conceptually being like, Hey, general contractor, (laughs) go and do this. And then let's actually spend money on it was like, whatever. Um, and eventually got to a point where, you know, my family member who I'm in with it, he was like, what the fuck are you waiting for? And I was like, um, yeah, you're right. And then, and then said, go. And then from there it was, you know, off to the races. So it was like one of those things where it was just like almost like analysis paralysis in a way, but not quite, you know, not of the spreadsheet taking down the deal. It was just the actual day to day. So it was kind of like that little kick in the ass that got me going. Um, luckily a lot of the other, you know, I'll say mistakes have been smaller. Um, but I knew, and, and they knew as well that this was going to be, you know, a great learning experience. And, what really gave us a ton of confidence was, you know, Toro had bought two deals that were hundred percent vacant. They were existing deals vacant. We took down to the shell. So, you know, down to the studs, you know, down to the rafters, basically replaced everything, roof, siding, windows, doors, plumbing, electrical slab. I mean, you name it, we basically replaced it. And I knew loosely that to do that would cost 50, $60,000 back then. Now it's probably a little bit more. When I looked at this deal that we were buying, if I threw 50 or $60,000 on top of our purchase price, we would basically break even on what my value was for just the renovation we were doing. So originally we were going to spend like 15, 20,000. We ended up as we got into it more deciding to spend more and do a little bit nicer renovation. Um, so we're spending about 30, 33 a door between interior and exterior work. Um, but I knew that if we spent 50, 60, my valuation for doing less work, we would break even. So I'm like, okay, if I'm so bad at my job and so bad at real estate, and I know nothing that I don't realize that this needs all new siding, all new electrical, all new plumbing, all new windows, all new roofs, all new ACs, and we're still going to break even, that gives me a ton of confidence that we have a wide margin of error that is going to allow me to, you know, it gave me a lot of freedom to, you know, try things, make some mistakes. Um, you know, again, luckily nothing that like overly hurt us. And also, um, it also gave us some room to be like, Hey, let's overspend a little bit. Cause this is a deal we're going to refine hold for five, seven, 10, 15 years. Who knows? Right. Um, we've definitely overspent on it. Like it didn't need $30,000 a unit, but like we replaced all the water supply lines. Uh, we're rebuilding a laundry room. We expanded the pool deck, um, and put pavers on it. Um, we're installing an exterior security system. We're replacing tons of water heaters. We're basically gut renovating the interior. So, um, you know, it was a really cool project that's allowed me to learn, make some mistakes, but also, I mean, it's going to be a killer deal as well. So it's been really nice. Well, you know, like, just like you're saying, those, those, those mistakes, quote unquote mistakes, you know, those minor mistakes that you learn a lot from them, right. And you'd be able to take from that and move forward and be better the next time. Right. So I think that those are very important. And, you know, one thing I want to touch on, you know, you've talked a lot about renovations uh, in the last few minutes and you and I talked, spoke before the show that, you know, when you started doing your own thing, you kind of took on the role of property and construction management with no prior Mm -hmm. experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about that process? I think some people out there listening, thinking like, yeah, there's no way I could jump into that with, with no prior knowledge or, you know, somebody holding my hand basically. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I just back myself to figure anything out. Like, I don't really care what it is. I mean, I think there's some things that I, I probably, I would, if you gave me something and enough motivation, I really think there's not a lot in this world. I couldn't figure out, especially stuff like renovations. I mean, there's millions of people who have done it for centuries. So it's like, I look at that and I'm like, all right, 
there's definitely people that are a lot dumber than I am that have done it and have done it well. So it's like, it can't be that hard. Like real estate is not really that hard of a business. Right. And what makes it super nice and super easy. I I say this all the time, like where you're basically buying a business. So you've already got something that's established. The development one is not really, but there's so much baked in demand. It's like, whatever you're essentially buying a business that's so risk-free because every single person or almost every single person needs what you offer in one degree or another. Everybody needs housing. What other business in the world is every person to ever exist a potential customer? Right. Doesn't find it. Any other business you start, one of your major line items is going to be marketing. I spend dollars on marketing for a multi-million dollar business. Where the hell do you hear that, right? right. So when I look at it, it's like, it's this great opportunity and it's been done for so long. I was just like, all right, like I'll figure it out. Like I'm going to make, I knew it. Like I knew going in, I was going to make mistakes. I was going to have to figure things out. Um, but like it's been done over and over and over and over again. And I'm just like, I'll just back myself to figure it out. Now what's also nice is coming into it because of three, four years experience in the market. I had a ton of contacts and people I could lean on for, contractors, vendors, subcontractors, um, you know, pricing, you know, like I had a lot of this knowledge already. So it's not like I came into it with literally nothing. I probably had a lot more knowledge than most people coming into a deal in a specific market, uh, especially literally doing almost, I don't want to say a carbon copy, but a very similar property in basically the same area. Um, you know, I had a very good understanding of what the opportunity was, what things should cost, what, you know, things were going to happen, what the demand was like for that product, et cetera. Um, you know, I was just like, all right, we'll, we'll figure it out. So I don't know, for me, I just think I have a pretty good perspective on things and just understand that like, this really isn't that hard of a business. It's just people business and, you know, tons of construction and property management people out there. So Man, I love to hear that too, because I think a lot of people get emotional about the fact that, you know, this is going to be difficult or whatever. Yeah, it may be hard, but just like you're saying, there's been thousands, millions of people who have figured this out before. You're not the first to do it. You're not reinventing the wheel. Just, you know, make some connections, go do it. You know, you'll be able to figure it out. Most people should be able to figure it out, right? Just like you're saying. So I love that yeah. you bring that up. I do want to talk about JAG Communities. That's your company. Um, I want uh, to, to learn more about that. Tell us more about JAG, uh, what you guys are up to and what your, what your current focus yeah. So, um, Jag communities, unlike what most people think for, doesn't stand for the, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, stands for, uh, John A. Grenzig and son. It was my great, great grandfather's electrical contracting business that he started back in, uh, 1930. Uh, every single on my dad's side, every single parent, grandparent up until that either owned or worked for it. Um, wow. my dad, was the one to break the chain. So I make fun of him all the time. He didn't, he didn't want to go into that. He actually started his own business called uh, Chinesco products. And he sold that when we were younger. Um, so for me, it's just kind of understanding that, you know, I wouldn't be here today without them. So kind of paying homage to them a little bit. Um, but for me, you know, I'm trying to just, you know, build a company that, you know, buys really good deals and good locations and owns them for a long time. Um, a lot of syndications are in and out of deals, 18, 24, 36 months. I understand why that is um, and happy to talk about that more. But for me, I don't want to be a glorified flipper. I really want to, with some degree, you know, sometimes deals are not in locations or whatever that you want to hold for forever, but they have some opportunity. Like I got sent a deal literally an hour before we jumped on here that 
might work, may not work, but it's probably not one I would want to own for eight years just because I don't think the location is amazing, but I think there's some short-term opportunity. Uh, but from a large standpoint for me, you know, I want to buy deals to own them, right? The reason I want to find these deeper renovation deals or these developments is you have the ability to take a deal that at market has a cap rate of 5%, which is really, really basically you're buying something with a yield on it, but you're buying something with a slight discount to that or discount to that, where you can add a ton of value to create an asset that cash flows above and beyond what the market does. But what happens is people create that value and then they sell it off because with preferred returns, general partners get 90% of their compensation on the back end. Um, so for me, I'm really trying to build a company that can find deals at a ton of value, uh, hopefully refinance them after two or three years and hold them for a while and cash flow them, which allows us to own deals for long term, allows people to, you know, park money into really good assets and not have to worry about getting money back, paying taxes, et cetera. Uh, and as well, too, for me, I'm trying to build up a business that has more uh, predictable revenue, longer term revenue that allows me to grow a staff and really create a, a place that people, you know, want to work for and enjoy working for, um, which is honestly kind of one of the larger drivers. Like I'm not really in it for money. Like money's going to come. I'm not really worried about that. So, you know, for me, it's about, you know, building up something that I can be proud of and that's going to be a challenge and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, just trying to find deeper value add deals, uh, you know, want to have some part of the business in the development space. Cause I think that's interesting. Um, and just build that out over, you know, 10 plus years. And like you mentioned, you know, my 10 year vision right now is to get to 500 million under management. Uh, so I've, you know, I've got a spreadsheet that breaks it out per year and assets acquired and assets sold and revenue coming in and all that stuff. Um, but essentially it's, uh, you know, year one is acquiring about 5 million bucks, which this third deal will put us over that hump slightly after a year, but slightly over that amount. So it, it works for me. Um, so about 5 million year two will be about eight or eight and a half year three will be about 12. It's basically about a 50% year over year increase. Uh, year 10 has us acquiring 200 million and then owning about, you know, 500, 540 million after 10 years. It's awesome, man. Love how you break that down. I mean, that's a, you got, you got quite the vision there and I have no doubt just with the success you've had just within the last year, I have no doubt that you're going to hit that goal, man. So we'll be, we'll be watching you closely. Love to stay connected with you. Uh, you know, it's been, been great learning about your story here, Chris. Uh, but before we get out of here, tell the listeners more about anything else we have going on and how they can connect with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, not a whole lot going on right now. I'm, I'm deep in operations mode, um, you know, trying to, build out systems and stuff like that. But if anybody wants to, you know, follow along, best place to do that is, you know, all the different social media channels, but the main ones are uh, Instagram at Chris.Grenzig or LinkedIn, just search Chris Grenzig, you can find me. Uh, if somebody for whatever reason wants to get a hold of me, you can just email me. It's Chris at jag-communities.com, J-A-G hyphen communities.com. Uh, that's also our website. It's going through a little bit of a rebranding right now. So depending upon when this gets released and where we're at with that, um, it's either going to look pretty bad or pretty good. Um, if it's pretty bad at the time, bear with us. Um, but if we're, if anybody's interested in investing in some deals as we're kind of releasing them now, um, there'll be a form on there to uh, fill out, get in touch. We'll jump on a phone call and, and go from there. Um, also have a podcast that I 
on a brief hiatus right now, but I do with John, uh, we started it while I was there and we've continued it after I've left, which has been really cool. Uh, it's called the real estate investing experience. You can find that on all the different platforms, including YouTube, or you can go to the R E I E X P.com. Awesome, man. We're going to make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes so our listeners can check it out. Chris, man, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we'd really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.